Welcome to another episode of Grid Forward Chats, a podcast series with industry leaders on what lies ahead for our electric grid. These podcasts are hosted by Grid Forward Executive Director Bryce Yonker. Well, for today's discussion, we have Maria Pope. Maria is CEO at Portland General Electric. Maria, thanks for being on. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here today. Maria, I know you've been, um, you know, somewhat more recently at the helm there at Portland General, uh, not new to the organization. I know you've been there for more than a decade after coming over from the, the tech industry. Can you tell me just a little bit about your, your role there at Portland General? So as uh, president and CEO, I'm responsible for the organization, uh, our ability to deliver uh, energy to our nearly 1 million customers across uh, the state of Oregon, um, as well as the financial health and, and long-term uh, success of Portland General. What led you to Portland General and you know, before taking on the helm, what, what were you working on? You know, I came out of uh, the high-tech industry, as you mentioned, and it was really important to me to be able to work for an organization where what we do truly matters to our customers and the communities we serve. Electricity, the generation, transmission, and delivery uh, of electricity is highly technical, so it blended well with my background. Uh, But in addition, what we do matters every day to our customers. And I think particularly during uh, this very challenging period of time in our history, uh, we matter that much more. Uh, Customers depend on us for safe, reliable, affordable, and clean energy. So before we get into that conversation around taking care of customers, how are you doing? We're almost four months into this now. I know Oregon's still trying to figure out, you know, the economic shutdown. And how are you hanging in there? You know, we are doing really well. The global pandemic has fundamentally reshaped our world um, and the way we live. Oregon and the Pacific Northwest is, is no exception. Uh, And as an essential service provider, we continue to leverage technology to enable critical teams to do their jobs safely, efficiently, and reliably. With health and safety as our priority, we are ensuring that all of our crews to our generation facilities, to our 250 customer service representatives are operating safely and delivering power reliably to our customers as they expect during normal occasions but it's that much more important uh, during this very difficult period. Well, I appreciate the reliability of the service. I'm a customer and, and haven't noticed a blip on it at all. So thank you for that. I know we've had reasonably mild spring weather. Has that, has that helped on kind of the operational continuity and operational um, resiliency? Well, certainly we've had less outages uh, uh, caused by uh, storms or other weather events. Uh, But this period of time, we've really used to lean in, to leverage uh, technology, to uh, drive better operations. We have terrific partnerships with our municipalities and the communities we serve. So we're actually doing repair work for longer hours during the day, ensuring that the lights stay on 24-7 for customers, uh, particularly when people are home and relying on us that much more than they normally do. As I look at your guys' size and structure, obviously you're an IOU, an investor-owned utility, uh, the largest here in Oregon. How does the general structure of the utility there guide the work and and direction of the organization? You know, we are just the perfect size, and it allows for us to be nimble, uh, to focus on our priorities, to leverage our scale to lower costs for customers, particularly important during this period of time. 
customers are at the center of all that we do. And that's why our focus continues to be on our core strategies of performing, um, ensuring that we have safe, reliable, and affordable power, decarbonizing, uh, ensuring that we are moving towards a lower carbon uh, footprint, and accelerating the use of electricity as the lowest cost energy source for customers. And thirdly, really showing up for our communities and customers as a true partner during these very difficult times. Does the rather dense uh, service territory that you guys have, since you're you know pretty concentrated in the greater Portland area, does that how does that impact the work there? You know, I think it makes it in some instances easier and in some instances harder um, in that what we do is very visible uh, to our customers um, and we're very integrated in the communities that we serve. As a leader, uh, we're leaning in to supporting our customers, uh, making sure that uh, disconnections uh, are no longer taking place during this uh, difficult time. We've suspended um, any late fees. We have payment plans for customers and other mechanisms uh, of support during this really critical time and giving back where we can to support our at-risk community members. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys are being responsive and and taking care of customers in these really unique times right now? Sure. We have really five key ways uh, during this period of time that uh, we're guiding how we do our work. Uh, The first is to prioritize the health and safety of PGE employees and customers. The second is to maintain continuity of service um, and our work that is essential for providing that service. Third is our focus on customers and community partnerships. And then fourth is to recognize that the economic climate has changed dramatically and that keeping customer bills low and being flexible and responsible to customer needs is critically important. And finally, fifth is to strengthen our internal culture with a focus on our purpose and our strategic imperatives to achieve results for our customers as they continue to want us to focus on reducing our carbon impact, as well as uh, advancing electrification, particularly in the transportation sector. How are you guys prioritizing taking care of customers right now, you know, where you have a, a, a larger group of people who are having a higher difficulty in paying? You know, what does that look like practically? Well, what it looks like practically is we are not disconnecting uh, customers uh, for late payment. Uh, We're proactively reaching out to them uh, for payment plans, providing assistance, getting them into state and federal programs to help them, and really being a true partner during this period of time. And as far as the economics that are changing, you know, if you think about a higher group of customers that aren't able to pay, a a set of CNI customers that are, you know, having a hard economic time with the economic impact of this. It's kind of the perfect storm to create upwards rate pressure. Uh, What are you guys doing to help alleviate that or have that not be really an option that that burdens, you know, the rest of the the customer base that's going to be making it through the the economic recovery from all this? That's a great question because we are uh, no different than any other business and we ourselves are not immune uh, to the challenges. So we've done a couple of key things. First, uh, we have gone to the capital markets and we've taken on additional debt financing to make sure that we are a uh, financially healthy and secure business as we go forward. And we've also noted that we need to do this for the long term. This is not just going to have a several month or one year impact. Uh, We're going to need to recognize that we're in a very difficult economic period 
uh, for the long term. Second, we have dramatically reduced our operating and capital expenses. Um, and uh, we've taken significant cuts across uh, all areas uh, of our business. We need to ensure that we stay compliant and safe in our operations. So those have been prioritized, but we've made significant reductions across our operating maintenance and our capital expenditures for 2020 and into 2021 and potentially beyond. Uh, so that we know that with every customer dollar, it's being used in, in the highest prioritized uh, and reduced fashion during this difficult time. Do you feel like your background in finance has has really prepared you for the unique financial situation that we're in now? Yes, you know, I, I you know, on the on sort of a micro level, it's uh, I'm very facile moving through budgets. Uh, but I also began my career on Wall Street. As a company in general, Portland General is very financially oriented. Uh, we you have a lot of equipment. We have a lot of employees. A lot of responsibility. Um, and utilities are uniquely at the intersection of an essential service and a public good, but also large scale capital uh, and complexity uh, that comes with dealing with electricity. So it's really important that we are prudent for the long term because what we do today can have lasting implications. And that financial health and discipline is really important uh, in running a, a utility. Pivoting over to the initiatives and efforts that you guys have in flight, uh, I'm hard pressed to to feature one. But can you, you know, maybe cover and highlight a few of the areas that Portland General is being innovative and really looking to deploy modernization initiatives? Sure. You know, one of the things I think is really important to acknowledge is that we don't do anything alone. We do everything in partnership with others. First, with our cities and local jurisdictions, we have engineers embedded in their buildings, uh, in their operations, making sure that our deployment and coordination um, is perfectly in sync and as low as cost for customers. We also work collaboratively with customers as partners. An example would be uh, TriMet, uh, one of the largest uh, transit authorities in the country and one of the most progressive moving to all electric bus routes um, and looking at converting a couple of their bus depots over to all electric. Another partnership would be with Daimler, uh, who's building their electric truck manufacturing right here uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Our regional partnerships also extend to places uh, like the mid-Columbia region uh, where uh, Douglas County PUD partnering with us. Uh, We're providing them with um, energy services and they're providing us with 160 megawatts of hydrocarbon-free power. That's particularly important because it gets dispatchable when the wind is not blowing or the sun is not shining. Um, and then finally, we work across the West to make sure that we have good mutual assistance programs. Today, which uh, you're probably aware of in this region, it's pretty cloudy and overcast, but we're importing solar energy from California, from the desert Southwest, bringing renewables into this region at the very lowest cost possible. In 2018, we launched a really exciting uh, smart grid initiative to be able to take those capabilities into the distribution system. I took note of some really interesting agreements you guys had done of recent with Bonneville, and maybe you can touch a little bit on the pathway to EIM participation that that 
Portland and, and really utilities across the West are, are working their way through in the sort of value that you're finding there? Sure. Uh, so first, let me take the energy imbalance market, which brings together utilities across the entire uh, Northwest California and the entire Western interconnect. It allows us to maximize Westwide the integration of renewable energy. So for example, today, solar power out of California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah is being used in the Pacific Northwest and we are not dispatching a thermal carbon emitting resources as a result. At nighttime, when the wind is blowing and there is excess wind energy, particularly this time of year, we're able to export that wind energy into California and other regions. Uh, in the springtime, hydropower out of the Pacific Northwest, but also out of British Columbia and out of Bonneville Power Administration beginning in 2022, when they join the energy imbalance market, will be used to balance the entire uh, Western interconnect, making us much more reliable and lower cost, being able to utilize resources across a broader portfolio and share signal. Um, so, because these this works on a five-second basis throughout the entire Westwide. With Bonneville, we have a number of contracts with them. We interact with them every day. They're essential to this region um, and a great partner as we move forward, uh, both on a contractual basis and uh, as a reliability supplier and as a, as a key partner in the region. So let's go to that Smart Grid demo project. Um, I know many in the industry probably have heard about it, so maybe you can update us on how things are going there. So what we're talking about is our Smart Grid Tespes projects, uh, which targets three substations, 22,000 customers, and very high participation rate. In fact, just yesterday, we announced uh, that we're moving forward with battery storage in over 500 homes um, in those regions. We have about 56 participation rate right now, which is extraordinary. Um, I never would have thought it would have been this high this early into the project and is very close to our long-term target and significantly over the 7 to 12% participation rate that we'll, we will have normally seen in historically in these kinds of programs. What this does is it really demonstrates that working with customers truly in partnership, that we can have a distribution system that reflects the kind of interoperability that I described that's West-wide and sort of at the larger uh, scale. Um, as the costs of communications, technology, as, as well as software systems improve, all of that will allow us to have a bi-directional grid at the distribution level, something that we have not been able to achieve with prior technologies. And PTE is truly on the forefront of this. Uh, in 2018, we launched uh, five uh, key initiatives, the largest of which is um, an integrated operating center, which not only will bring together the capabilities of bi-directional flows of electricity in the distribution system, uh, will allow us to uh, scale the, the three testbed projects that I just talked about uh, with uh, increased distribution energy resources in the system, but also, and I think particularly during this period of time, we're relying on resiliency that much more. So it's earthquake proof. Uh, it has uh, enhanced cyber and physical security uh, built into the systems, um, as well as many other aspects that will enhance our reliability. Just so everybody heard, 
you guys have 56% of, of customers in those three service territories already participating amidst pretty unique circumstances. How are you guys feeling about getting towards, you know, kind of your overall target in those in those projects? Given where we are right now, and given that uh, this is uh, take up rate has taken place during a pandemic and during an extraordinary time where customers truly are focused on other things. I think this is extraordinary and a great prognostic indicator for not just hitting the two thirds target we have, but blowing right through it. Uh, it clearly shows that our customers want to participate in their energy future. They want renewable energy um, and they want some sense of knowledge of what's going on within their homes and ability to control and participate in a clean energy future. Congratulations. That's really, quite frankly, astounding. I think that's really great to see. Statistic after statistic, you kind of see how, well, people, maybe they don't really care about engaging in, in energy stuff. Uh, you guys are, are showing that in being proactive and in, in engaging your customers and showing them how they can add value to not only their communities, but to themselves, that it's very possible. So well, I think we've really, we've partnered with some uh, digital partners um, and really making it easy for customers. Um, as I talked about, our philosophy is that customers are at the center of everything that we do. And if we define success by how our customers define success, then our take-up rate is much higher than it otherwise would be. Um, it's really quite extraordinary and will benefit the entire region. So let's let's cover the resiliency topic a bit. Going into the global pandemic, which obviously has local implications for all stakeholders, that meant a lot here in the West, right? That that meant wildfires. That meant for those of us west of the Cascade, Cascadia subduction earthquake preparedness. That always means storms coming off the Pacific around here. You know, cybersecurity. So it had a lot baked into the term already coming into this pandemic, and now it means so much more. Can you talk about how Portland General is prioritizing resiliency, what that means for the organization now? Well, from day one, it was very important to us that we make sure and we take care of our customers and that they experience the same safe, reliable, and affordable power that we've been known for for 130 years. Uh, I don't think there's any question that I have been prouder to work at Portland General during this period of time. Um, our entire uh, workforce has stepped up. Um, and we've done a lot of things to make sure that people are safe and healthy during this period of time. The other is, is that we've not taken our eye off of the long term and know that customers want uh, renewable energy. They want it to be low cost. They want it to be integrated. Um, and while we have a cut back on our operating and maintenance capital expenditures um, and uh, we have bolstered our balance sheet, we've continued to focus on our long-term future, uh, making sure that we will be here uh, for the decades to come with infrastructure that's reliable and resilient. We are planning uh, with utilities across the West for unfortunately a robust wildfire season. As you mentioned, the uh, weather has been very mild. Um, and we have seen about a 25% uptick in cybersecurity attacks. So during this period of time, it sort of heightens the issues uh, that we normally see. And we have uh, accelerated our pace of innovation as well as change by really leveraging technology and leveraging partnerships. So project-based around resiliency, I know you guys have done some work around microgrids, have some work in motion around microgrids. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. We're doing a bunch of things. Uh, you know, I think one great example is in your area. And with the city of Beaverton, we're partnering on a resiliency area connected with their police department and their emergency management program. There's solar uh, rooftop capability that will generate enough power for about 40% of their needs. Uh, there's a one megawatt battery and microgrid controller that we are able to uh, utilize a control for efficiency, not only of that microgrid, but of the entire grid operation. And it really creates uh, a greater sense of certainty for that area uh, should there be a power outage uh, in the future, but it enhances the reliability on a daily basis when the power is flowing and there's no interruptions. It's been a great partnership uh, with Beaverton and something that we look forward to continuing uh, with other regional partners. So how does a battery asset in the distribution system here come into the mix of some of the other former projects you guys have done, whether it's the Salem battery, the battery downtown with the fire department, these 500 batteries going into homes, the 100 megawatts of flexible uh, customer-sided programs that you guys have. How does that come in? How does that integrate? As I mentioned, in 2018, we launched what we called five smart grid initiatives. And first of all, you have to be able to visualize it and, and be able to control the signal so you actually know and can control the power flows across the entire region, uh, leveraging all of those distributed energy resources that you just mentioned and being able to cost effectively utilize that for the highest need at the lowest cost, combining then desert southwest solar that might be generated in excess in that region, wind that might not be blowing or blowing or hydro that is moving to be able to have a seamless integrated grid taking advantage of the maximum amount of renewables across our entire system, but most importantly, creating the resiliency at the very local level. So I'm going to ask you a broad question, but it's very clear based on our conversation so far that you guys are putting into this into practice. But what role does innovation play in a time like now? Some believe that in a time of crisis, it's as good a time as any to, you know, to be innovative and rethink uh, the way things are done. From your perspective, is now a good time to be innovative? You know, what does that look like in practice there? So there's no question that it is essential that we're innovative at, at all times. But I think right now, it gives us the ability to hone our attention and focus working with partners in an accelerated basis. Uh, in fact, we've elevated our head of uh, information technology to look at areas across our company where we can accelerate becoming more efficient, better serving customers, and creating a safer, more reliable, lower cost grid as we can move forward. It's an exciting time. And we uh, I'm very pleased also with the uh, participation of terrific partners that will allow us to each bring our best capabilities to the electric grid and to our customers, delivering increasing amounts of renewable energy, uh, because clearly customers want to make sure that during this period of time, we continue to take care of the environment and continue to create a clean energy future for everyone. It almost seems like a long time ago when, and it wasn't that long, <laughs> when when the city and, and Multnomah County committed to 100% renewables in a clean energy future. Can you talk a little bit maybe about stuff we haven't touched on so far around the decarbonization pathway there and how that may be impacted in, in the midst of all that we're facing right now? Well, first of all, I think during this period of time, we have appreciated a cleaner environment 
and reminded of the importance of this overall work. A number of the jurisdictions that we serve, a number of our uh, customers on the industrial commercial side have 100% green energy goals. Uh, we have done a lot to meet those goals. We have 100% uh, clean energy product that many of them purchase. And then we're working also on how we create the reliability with all of this variable energy at the lowest cost possible. Each of our jurisdictions have a number of key goals that we track and monitor to make sure that we are on pace uh, to hit those. And we really partner uh, across the region, not only when it comes to just delivering electricity, uh, but in the uh, transformation of the transportation sector. As we know, transportation is now the number one emitter of carbon resources. And through a number of partnerships that I mentioned uh, with TriMet, with Daimler, we have also electric avenues uh, throughout our service area, um, as well as charging pilots uh, that are right onto power poles so that in neighborhoods, people can charge more easily. Um, I would expect that we would see electric transportation scale significantly through this period of time. In fact, we're expecting it to have one of the most single largest impacts on the utility business going forward. So I've seen a lot of people talking about uh, what adoption of transportation may look like coming out of out of all this. And it, it seemed reasonably consensus that the recovery of electrified personal transit vehicles was going to recover faster than ICE vehicles. Where that heads is still, you know, a moving target. It, it seems like the use of public transit may be impacted a, a bit more. So can you comment about maybe that blend of where you guys are focusing your electrification initiatives between, you know, more of the fleet and, and public transit uh, activities versus the personal transit uh, options? Sure. And with regards to um, the larger transit options and, and shared mobility, I think we're learning as a society on how to make that work uh, during a pandemic uh, period of time. And you'll see in the infrastructure package making its way through Washington, D.C. that just passed the House yesterday, the Moving Forward Act, that there is a substantial spending for transportation electrification. And and PGE was at the heart of driving a ladder uh, from this region with a number of entities uh, in support of that work. Where I think the largest point of opportunity is, in addition to the personal vehicles and and mass transit, is really in the last mile delivery, particularly with many more people getting home delivery uh, goods um, and services. That last mile delivery is very predictable when it comes to charging. And you're seeing a number of uh, startup companies in the light duty truck area, as well as many of the traditional companies advancing their light duty trucks from everyone from UPS to FedEx to Amazon has very aggressive goals when it comes to last mile delivery. And we're working with all of those entities on infrastructure for them, charging uh, support for them, and making sure that we're also meeting their clean energy needs. So a final question, you know, clearly the utility sector and Portland General at the heart of that, the, the backbone adjectives driving the sector over the last century have have really been, you know, threefold, safe, reliable, and affordable. Where are we heading? What what, what adjectives are, are becoming increasingly important for the utility structure as, as more stakeholders are asking for clean and efficient and equitable and flexible and resilient and a number of other things? And there's some trade-offs between 
these elements of prioritizing them. So where are we headed? What's what's really important as far as the descriptors for what we're keeping top of mind, not only for Portland General, but for the industry in the region? It's an all of the above set of vocabulary, because what the utility is known for is being there day in and day out to meet customer needs. Customers are at the center of what we do, and our customers tell us very clearly that they want low-carbon green energy. They want it reliably. They want it safely. They want it affordably. They want us to be a progressive company that does not trade off the attributes of clean and safe and resilient with affordability. And so that means leaning into technology. It means being very cognizant of what customers want. And it means an agile utility that has the strength of our generation capabilities, our partnerships throughout the region to be able to deliver customers great service day in and day out. Well, Maria, Portland is fortunate to have you at the helm. The region is fortunate uh, to have you here. And we're sure thankful to have Portland General as, as a partner in all of our work. Uh, thanks for being on for, with our discussion today. And, and uh, we really look forward to, to working with you guys to drive a lot of this stuff forward. Well, Bryce, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time with you and the great questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grid Forward Chats our podcast series with industry leaders on what's driving grid modernization ahead. Check out our website at gridforward.org to learn more about our podcasts, virtual events, becoming a member, and our mission to promote grid innovation and accelerate modernization across our region.